Attention, attention. There are spoilers ahead. Kind of spoilers, not really spoilers, but a little bit of spoilers. So if you don't want something spoiled, be careful. Otherwise, come on in. I think there's big spoilers. Maybe, maybe a few. A handful. Welcome. Hi. To Prisoners. Hi. <laughs> prisoners. Um, pop uh, culture. culture. I'm Josie. <laughs> that was Josie. I am Andy. I'm Sheila. And welcome <laughs> to the latest episode. Oh, it's going to be a fun one, kids. Um, wow, it's been a minute. I feel like y'all have been doing a lot, like, a lot of episodes, but I also feel like it's been a minute since I've talked to y'all in general. Yeah. I feel like um, you've been distant. Probably. Thank you. Now this has taken a different tone. Don't worry, everyone. I'm fine. Um, <laughs> He's just been very quiet in the text message. He's not. 2022. I'm fine. He's totally okay. <laughs> totally okay. Um, so as everyone knows on this lovely episode, um, we kind of go through a few different topics. So for the first topic, are you ready? Are we? Is everyone's favorite topic this time of year? What's that, Andy? I don't know. What is that? Uh, I didn't tell y'all for a reason because I wanted to see what your actual reactions were. Um, Resolutions. You're welcome. New Year's resolutions. They're popular by so many. I hate them every year. I was curious (laughs) how you all felt about them. Um, I don't do them. No? No, I used to, and then I just got tired of, like, being tired of trying to do something that I wasn't Mm -hmm. fulfilling, and then a few years ago, like, it became popular to pick a word, you know, like, to grow, or, I don't know, something like that, and I was just like, I tried that, and then, I mean, it was fine, but, meh. I guess I'm just not that committed. Like, I'm committed to things. I'm just not committed to resolutions. Josie Ann, do you have, do you do resolution? I do resolutions. (laughs) Um, I do resolutions. I actually didn't set any this year. I don't usually set resolutions like crazy grand ones. I feel like I set smaller ones that I can accomplish throughout the year just for some sort of like personal growth but nothing like too nuts or crazy yes not jump on the man if I did not jump on the manifesting word train I 100% did a few years ago but I'm kind of like Sheila I am actively tired of disappointing myself when it comes to these (laughs) resolutions so I just kind of quit making them because I was realized it was setting off 
my year in a bad tone where I felt like I was already a disappointment and I was already doing this. Wow, it sounded like I need therapy. But it really was just kind of one of those things where it was like, it's arbitrary in some ways. I think a lot of people can use them for good. I think right. some, sometimes they're used just to trigger people a lot into diet culture and to everything else. Um, so because did you know, which I think this isn't like a brand new stat, but did you know that 23% of people quit their resolution after the first week? I knew it was something like that. I knew. I honestly really, thought it would have been way higher. Yeah. I think it's more higher if you go with like by the third week. I think it's like a lot higher. I don't have that stat, but I remember hearing it before. I want to say it's like 75% of people drop it by the third week. But in this state, in this study, they don't say that, but they said only 19% of individuals, which I actually think is high, are able to stick to their goals long term. I would have expected that to be a solid tool. Yeah, I kind of, when I set my resolutions, I kind of followed the, the rule. I can't remember where I heard it, but I heard it years and years ago where it takes like 21 days to break a habit or yeah. to create a new habit. Mm-hmm. So I kind of try to do smaller ones and I just kind of remind myself of of that where it's like, okay, it takes certain days to do this. It's like, okay, you're on yeah. this day. You got to push through this. I mean, it wasn't for a resolution, but, you know, like, for example, a couple years ago, I gave up soda for Lent mm-hmm. and it was like really hard and that's 40 days. And honestly, by the end of the 40 days, I was like, oh my gosh, I can totally have a soda and I just really didn't have the desire to, and I haven't had soda since then. And that was probably four years ago, three uh-huh. year, three it and a half, four years ago. When you, yeah. When you suddenly um, have one, you're like, oh, this is. Yeah, it definitely. Yeah. So I kind of just look at like stuff like that. Like there was one year I'm, I made a resolution where I was like, okay, I need to kind of get my health in check. And not all in one mm-hmm. month was yeah. I like, okay, schedule every single doctor but I made sure like throughout the year it was like okay you went to this doctor and now you need to go to the dentist now you need to do this now you need to do that yeah like smaller Um, goals are definitely more achievable you know yeah for sure I've done things like I I heard whatever that was that's a train (laughs) (laughs) oh that was not on my end (laughs) (laughs) It was the ghost train. But there we, hasn't been a train around here in 35 years. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I sometimes just try to do be like or not do be like, gosh, that's a weird sentence. Sometimes I do be like mm. a, a doobie. <laughs> but I, a doobie. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> sometimes I try to like just say I'm going to do more of this type of thing like maybe like we want to travel more or something like sometimes it's just things like that that are things that we want to do anyways and we just haven't like put the time and effort into it so oh I, I've totally done that before yeah. where I was like I'm going to be nicer and try to compliment somebody like a stranger yeah like multiple times a week I didn't even set like 
I feel like the reason why it becomes so unrealistic is because people are like, new year, new me. And they're like, I'm going to change the thing that I dislike about myself the most. Yeah. And I'm going to change that right now. Right. And then it's just so big. And then, like, one of the things that I've talked to people about before who have dealt with, like, addiction or things that I've read or, you know, whatever, they always talk about how you have to have the ability to, like, forgive yourself. Like, people will do the extreme. Like, um, Mm The article, the article that I was reading was like about alcoholics specifically where they're like, oh, my gosh, I had one sip instead of just being like, wow, you met you had one sip. OK, tomorrow don't have a sip. Right. Instead of doing that, they go to the extreme where it's like, well, I've already had one sip. I'm a piece of trash. I'm going to go buy a 12 pack. Right. And so it's like when you make these grandiose things it's you put so much more pressure on yourself to do better that as soon as you do one bad thing, you're just like, well, I can't do it. I can't accomplish it. Instead of just being like, okay, like you're still learning a new habit. You're trying to do something new. Yeah. Um, Don't beat yourself up for it. And that was honestly right. And I was skimming that just for like myself on, it was like something like, um, I think it was like a list of like 15 ways to not be so hard on yourself or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was probably like some random overthinker thing that I found randomly. And it was like last year sometime where it was just like, you know, if you slip up, just kind of like look at yourself and be like, okay, like you slipped up today. It's okay. We all do You'll it. do better tomorrow. But I think people are like, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. And they don't realize that like, even losing 10 pounds can, can sometimes take two to three weeks and then yeah. they get discouraged about all of that. So it's, I, I think that's part of the reason why so many people fail at them. Yeah, yeah. And if it's not internal, it's external. Like if you tell people, well, my resolution is to be healthier. And then like you eat a French fry, they're like, I thought you wanted to be healthier. And you're like, bitch, I did, but I want this French fry. So like, <laughs> Yeah. Fries in moderation. (laughs) Now, I'm sure you won't be surprised by any of what I'm about to say, but I've been looking up some of the most popular resolutions. Oh. Um, Of course, improving diet was one of the top ones. Pursuing a new career, spending more time with family. I feel like that's up more this year um taking up a new hobby the amount of times i thought i was going to be a new person and actually accomplish something in the new year is astounding um spending less time on social media there's quitting volunteering decorating like all the things i will say i'm here for everyone and josie has heard this speech before she i don't think you've gotten to hear it so buckle up okay i'm I'm ready for everyone's <laughs> resolutions and I am here for making yourself better. What I am fracking tired of is not feeling like I can have a birthday month or I can enjoy my month because everyone is like dry January. We're not eating out in January. I'm on a diet in January. I'm doing this only to break it either <laughs> mid-January or February. And then they just go batshit crazy. But then, of course, around my birthday, everyone is an asshole because they're mad and angry about their lives. Because they haven't had any cake or alcohol. <laughs> yeah. In two weeks. Go eat a cookie, 
Brenda. <laughs> Did you just say Brenda? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why, but Brenda came out. She's been hanging out. I was like, I don't know why you're attacking Brenda's, but I'm here for it at the same time. I mean, okay, Brenda, why'd you do it, Brenda? I just know a lot of Brenda. I don't know. Brenda just came out. <laughs> I wasn't accusing any Brenda's. It's okay. Live your best, live your best it's life. It's okay. It's okay. Brenda. Brenda doesn't know. Brenda is a Karen, a cousin. Uh, it's, well, it's a cousin of Karen. Wow. Brenda is a person that a is going through withdrawal. Brenda's a smoker. She's been Don't going be, at it for 45 years. Don't, don't um, yeah, Andy Andy has mentioned that several times about <laughs> his birthday. And it's so funny because I've said stuff to him about my birthday because it's always around Memorial Day. And I'm like, people are always out of town. People always have a party. People are always like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And Andy's like, don't get me started. Mine's in January. <laughs> Uh, mine is the first week of school, so shut the fuck up. I still have it worse. <laughs> yes, Josie, people are out of town and wanting to throw their own party, but at least they're in a celebration mood. Sheila, you don't have to go to school. You can stay out. I can't dodge everyone else's resolution. What are you talking about? My child goes to school. He doesn't have to go the first day. He's smart. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. Screw your child. Um, <laughs> the first days. Who said the kids are the future? She's no longer here. R.I.P. <laughs> well, Andy, um, you know we. I am trying to come visit you for your birthday, but you don't tell me anything. So you are actively trying, and I feel like this was my <laughs> way of telling you. <laughs> Okay, Andy, I were I was gonna save this for after the podcast. Sheila and I discussed this. The um, other reason why we were trying to the reason why we were trying so hard to figure out your, your plans info. is I was looking at a flight to come surprise you in Atlanta. Surprise! But but I couldn't go this weekend because I'm still lying. But we needed to know what your plans were, and you're like, I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> And I feel, <laughs> I feel like because, and I grant, I know I should just take charge and do it. And honestly, this year, a lot of people have asked me and they've all wanted to do stuff. And I feel very blessed. <laughs> but the whole. It's because it's such a big birthday. It's such a, it's such a big milestone birthday. Yeah. But the whole resolution stuff just kind of, I'm just, I think it just sets the tone for me and I just haven't shaken it. I'll get it together, kids. Oh. And they're not saying it, but I'm turning 40. I don't care. So, um, yeah. Big birthday. I wasn't dodging. not saying it for you. I didn't say it. Oh, that's fair. I wasn't dodging <laughs> it for... <laughs> I wasn't dodging it because I'm mad about getting older. That's not the case at all. It's just, like, I don't know. And then you have COVID and everything else. I mean, there was there was legit a moment where Sheila and I were like, maybe he's upset he's turning 40. Maybe it's hitting him. No. Yeah. Maybe there's just something he's like, I don't like, know, guys. And he's been a little distant. And then Josie's like, I was saying, thinking kind of the same thing. Maybe it's because it's his birthday. And I was like, I was thinking the same thing. No. But then I was like, but maybe it's work. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cover that off off of the call. There's certain things people don't need to know. So, so we want to talk about that. 
certain <laughs> details that no one needs to know. It's okay. I'm going to tweet it as soon as we get done with everything. <laughs> I'll change the password. It's It's fine, everybody, at Andy's job. I'm going to tweet everything he tells us <laughs> after the show. Secrets. Uh, He's laughing because oh, yeah. I don't have Twitter. Anyway. Okay. okay. Resolutions. Cool. It sounds <laughs> like we cool. have a lot of like people on here who are like, screw the new year, new me. So you're like, you're your new me. Garbage. <laughs> if y'all do a resolution, Live your best you life every it. day. Be sure to tell us. Say, I kept it. I have done, I started this resolution like Josie giving up soda for that. If you've kept a resolution and you have made it all the way through, please let us know. We'll totally maybe we, celebrate it. It's not maybe actually, we just need to be, so, actually, you know need to be surprised. I yeah. am going to, I'm actually going to add something to this because of that. Because I actually, <laughs> that's how I started kickboxing two years ago. Oh, is it? I forgot that. Yeah. I couldn't remember. Because I, I was like, you know, um, when I started kickboxing a couple years ago, I was like, you know, I, I'm approaching a new decade. I need, I just feel like this is the most unhealthy I've ever been. I didn't like how I was feeling. So I was like, maybe I just need to like change something. And I was talking about it with Leslie and we found this kickboxing place and it was like, all right, let's go there. And that was actually, that stemmed from it. And I've been doing kickboxing for two years. You have, and we are proud you of have. you. I thought you were going to talk about being nicer to strangers. And I, I she talks about that a lot. I don't know what you're talking about. But then about. I was going to be like, why did that never trickle down <laughs> to the two of us? I am. I am. You guys just don't see it and you think the worst of me always. I am really nice I to strangers not. all the time. Actually. That's Andy that does that. <laughs> not me. We do. Clearly uh, you both do. But that, like, that did stem from that. And I also... Um, all my doctors that I go to now, I found because of the resolution where I was like, get your health better in check. And I still go to all of the same doctors because of that, too. I also and thought I, I had part of that resolution, so and I'm going to take. Basically, what I'm saying is I'm better than the two of you. I mean, no, that's being humble was not a resolution. <laughs> I think, I think, like, for, so Josie, for, like, the kickboxing thing, like, you and a friend found something that you both enjoyed and I think that helps too because like when people pick a resolution to like get fit and healthy like they go and start going to a gym and like they just like start lifting and doing the treadmill and stuff and stuff it's not something that they really like you know like sometimes they're not yeah. they're not trying things or they, they do stuff that they don't like and they're not trying different things to find the things that they do like so that they can keep doing those things. Wow, call me out. Sheila. Which I completely agree with because I'm sorry, Andre. No, I completely <laughs> agree with that because I mean Leslie's a good example of that because her and I started kickboxing together and she did not get the same thing out of it that I got mm -hmm. out of it. She doesn't kickbox anymore. She just found out that for her going to the gym is way better. Yeah. She like her schedule is a lot different now and she's trying to figure out scheduling with her new job and right. just with a bunch of different things. So it's been a little bit more difficult for her, but just even making that realization, it does make a huge difference when you have somebody who can like help hold you accountability. One of mine and Sheila's college friends, um, he messaged me the other day that he was going to kickboxing and he started his first class. And he had told me last year that he's like, I think after the new year, I'm going to start um, kickboxing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's so awesome. 
And so he messaged me and I was like, okay, cool. Like, let's be each other's accountability buddies. Like, even though we don't live in the same state, we're like going to message each other and like ask each other how classes are going and stuff like that, because it makes a huge difference when you you have somebody that you can talk to about that stuff. Definitely. Agreed. Josie and I have talked about being accountability buddies, but I'm not one to really be accountable. We're accountable. Well, I mean, I can be. I was like, uh, I think the year that Andy and I, tried being accountability buddies I was like oh my gosh I did this he's like good job (laughs) like I am proud of and then I asked him and then I asked him about it and he's like oh no 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 we're not talking about me I'm like oh okay so that's how this is gonna work okay yeah well Josie and I actually I guess it was this just a, a week or two ago we talked about how like Josie and I talked about doing um like yoga together like at 10 o'clock at night where um mm-hmm. like I would just share mm-hmm. my screen with her and Sheila. we would share or we would do yoga together or what have you whatever we decided to do besides talk Sheila we what uh, we did set two resolutions together we uh, for this year long-term goals <laughs> yoga yoga and the other one that we said that we were gonna um be That's more confident right. and not feel like we have imposter syndrome um, yeah we were gonna take ownership in what we do and we were going to um have try to have less imposter syndrome yeah and like kind of hold each other up for that and just be like i was afraid um, kind of accountability buddies for that with so so what came of that why why we kind of well josie has a hard time she's been getting a lot of headaches and so i was like let's do yoga together like maybe relax your body and stretches will help so like we decided to do that together and then um, we haven't started because Josie then went out of town. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But then the second one was because she was having this conversation with some like parking attendants at one of the parking garages. And they're like, oh, she's like the big manager at the restaurant. And the guys were like, that's pretty awesome. And she's like, oh, you know, well, I don't know. You're like. She wasn't like, yeah, I'm like the second in charge. She didn't like go, yes, that's what I am. And so I was like, that's what we're going to do. Because I'm like, because my problem is I'm really bad about going. (laughs) I have a podcast (laughs) or whatever it is I do. Um, My my husband is usually like, we're talking and somebody's like, well, what do you do? And I'll tell about all the other little things I do. And then he's like, she has a podcast. And I'm like, you're right. I do have a podcast. And then people get interested. It's just I need to be more confident in the fact that I have a podcast. <laughs> but I'm confident. In yeah. It. And it's, we both. Right. And we both were like, this it. is more than just a hobby at this point. Like, yeah, th- I mean, it is a hobby still and we enjoy it. But it's also like at a point where it's like, I mean, we put a lot of thought into everything. We yeah. schedule stuff like she yeah. was editing everything. I did the same thing. And I was like, why am I so quick to downplay it? Like it even like small, like even if it's just like, oh, yeah, she's in charge of this, 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 this and this. And like, what doesn't she do? I'm just so quick to be like, I mean, I just do what has to get done. Like, it's no big deal. Like, you know, we're all we're all a team. Like, yeah. I'm so quick to call out everything else that everybody else does. I'm like, why am I doing that? So we did we so as Sheila is bashing resolutions and Andy is bashing them, we <laughs> did actually set some for ourselves this year. They're cold. <laughs> You're not really bashing. They're cold. Two really out of the three did. <laughs> 
I honestly thought for a second when you're like, we did have two and you said the other one, I swear to you, I thought y'all were coming for me with the second one. And our second resolution is to get Andy to respond quicker and better and not fall asleep. <laughs> no. Like I felt it coming in my soul. I mean, that's something that's been ongoing all just, year, not just, just now. So used it's fine. to it by now, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So what's uh, next? Andy? Um. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. I I can't see your guys' faces. We're we're I'm recording in Wyoming. So we're having some fun. So I can't see their faces to know if that was an awkward transition or not. Sorry. Kind of was, but it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it was, but it worked. So another mini topic that we're gonna have if we're gonna get to the main topic. That was very similar to my like, okay, guys, we're we're done here. Bye. Um, I know it, it very was. <laughs> Don't worry, the panic goodbye is coming. If you guys are worried. The panic goodbyes coming. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. You can continue. <laughs> so literally, the Golden Globes were yesterday. It was the first time they weren't televised. I don't know if it was ever, but in like a very long time, I was. Oh, they were actually confused. Monday. The tenth. Okay. I was actually very confused um, because I was like, did I miss them? That's something that like Josie and I will typically watch together, not together, but also kind of text. And I was like. Did I completely miss them? But there were a few wins that we did want to talk about. Um, yep. There were some kind mm-hmm. of historic mm-hmm. wins. The one that I want to say is that MJ Rodriguez actually is the first trans actor to win a Golden Globe for Pose. And so, like, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I won't lie. I haven't seen the last season, but now I know I need to. Um, and then Josie has the second one. I sure do. <laughs> um, the actor who played, sorry, let me find his name again. Um, the actor who played um, 001 in Squid Games, um, all the articles that I was seeing were just calling him O, so I'll go with O. Um, he is the first South Korean actor to win a Golden Globe, and he won it for his role as 001 in Squid Games. Congratulations. And deserved. Yeah. Oh, we didn't. We'll yeah, for sure. Okay. That was unintentional. That was just us not seeing um, each Sheila, other's you can ed- Sheila, can you please edit in the claps? That would be really great. <laughs> right away, as soon as we do it. I'll try. <laughs> um. Okay, so now. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited about the main topic. Let's get ready to rumble. Twerking in my seat. Y'all couldn't see it, so I felt like you needed to know. Um, the main topic or the our second topic that we're gonna talk about is the 20th anniversary of Harry Potter and the special that just aired on HBO. I mean, look, is it weird to say look, it aired? We couldn't have a podcast. Available? It's already, well, it already became available on January 1st on HBO Max. Yes. And look, what kind of Harry Potter podcast would we be if we didn't talk about this in our pop culture section? Because, I mean, hello, we're potheads, right? Yeah. 
And so we're we prisoners get, of pop culture. <laughs> before we get too deep and we start kind of going, I did want to throw out some facts. I did try to find some facts about the reunion. Nothing has been said yet. So you're welcome. These are going to be overall Potter uh, facts. Did you know that the estimated Potter franchise, now this is five years old data, so I'm sure it's more at this point, was at that point in 2016 estimated to be 25 billion dollars for the whole um franchise mm-hmm. there were 500 i million. did not know it was that high that's a it's a lot it's a lot there were 500 million harry potter books sold globally as of 2018 which I'm sure has gone up because I know half of us on this call, every time we see like a new design, we're like, should I get those books? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have three different um, mm. Harry Potter and the um, Sorcerer's Stone. Again, as of 2018, the number of languages <laughs> it was translated into, and so is Sheila's Lies, is 80. 80 different languages. Mm. That Jody, Josie doesn't have like six or seven of them. <laughs> I actually don't. I only have one <laughs> set of every single book. The only time I have a duplicate is I think I'm up to book three that every time I visit another country, I buy the next book in the series in that language. Oh, I forgot that's what you did. I've been there for a good bit of them. I just couldn't remember You've been how there many for I all had. Of them. That's why I said you didn't have six or seven of them. <laughs> yeah, no. So Andy was actually there for all of them. He was kind of there for my second book, but in spirit because I was meeting him. My first yeah. book I have in Arabic from my from our Cairo trip. Mm-hmm. The second one I have in Italian from when I was um, visiting Rome for the day. And the third one I have in Greek from when we went to Greece. Fun. That is impressive. I'm excited. We need to get that next book. Yeah. Know this I know. Next. I'm excited for that. Let's see. Um, there's a few other stats. I'm not really. None of these are really feeling so, crazy after some of those numbers. So what I do want to talk about now is the special. Yeah. Real summit. Um, Real quick. It did get a 90 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is really good. Yeah. Oh, that is really good. And it was good. It was. I would like to start off with, well, this is going to sound like negative, and it's not. I will say that opening yeah. just seemed very slow. And it was, it was like in slow motion. And I was very kind of confused. I love seeing all the people together, but I won't lie. I had to rewind it a few times because I got distracted. And then um, the Emma Watson's face when she saw um, Tom Felton. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just couldn't get past it for a second. I think it even froze on there for a minute by me hitting pause. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I um, will say, Andy, part of me wonders. Sorry, Sheila, if no, I cut fine. you off. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, part of me wonders. Um, if you felt it was slow because you haven't been a fan for a really long time, I would like to get Sheila's take on this because for me personally, seeing all of them get their letters and then like seeing everybody who is kind of going to be involved with it. Yeah. It, 
honestly just built my excitement for it. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was too long at all. I was just like, oh my gosh, this person's there. And then I was like trying to guess like next first yeah. thing to be to get uh, the okay. envelope was gonna be or or I even found myself guessing because they would like just show the hands or they they just show the back and I'd be like, oh my gosh, is that Matthew Lewis? Oh my gosh, is this gonna be um you know Robbie Coltrane? Like I was just like going through that whole thing so for me it didn't feel slow at all yeah I don't I it was slow but I don't I didn't feel like it was slow does that make sense like it was just very Mm -hmm. very Mm -hmm. purposeful like they wanted you to it was a it was definitely a production and they wanted to give you a A snippet yes it was a magical moment they wanted to give you that magical moment and they wanted to give you Emma finding her invitation in the book and you know like they just they it it was I I think it built up really really well and I I loved it I I loved it I won't say I didn't like it it was just one of those moments also I was having that old person moment on the couch of trying to stay awake but then I um was completely awake and was watching the whole thing um but I will say, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to die mm-hmm. laughing if y'all are like, no, he was there. But you don't even, like, I th- something I did think was kind of weird, and I know this seems weird. I'm only talking about this, guys, because it was literally right at the beginning, and we're literally just starting to talk about it. Mm-hmm. The whole thing was fantastic. But I thought it was so odd that everyone was together, everyone was having fun. That hall looked amazing. Like, I would love to be in there. But poor little Harry Potter wasn't allowed to go to the party. <laughs> I did. I did notice that he um, wasn't really part of that, and I don't know if that's because scheduling or something else. It might have been. Know, like he's, I, a, he's a busy I guy. He is really busy, and if I remember correctly, I think he's. I don't think he's doing a show right now because he does do a lot of Broadway. He does a lot mm-hmm. of Broadway. And he either just finished a movie or was doing a movie, I, I think, not too long ago. So I think it was um, I think it was because of that. Because right. if you follow him or if you follow any of the actors on from Harry Potter, whenever he can see the cast, he sees them. Yeah. So I think that they had him separate and then he only talked to specific people I think was done like extremely intentionally and I think a lot of it probably also had to do with scheduling oh I'm sure it was just one of those things where it was like you know when I rewound it for the third time because again I'm turning 90 and fell asleep and I didn't actually want to miss anything um I was like he doesn't get to go to the party yeah I was like, oh, Part of me wonders too, summer. like maybe they just didn't show him at the party. Like that could have been like yeah. they could have just been showing like snippets of it, and it didn't make the editing when he was there. They thought it was gonna be more dramatic to have because I had I had that thought too. I had that thought as well. Mm-hmm. That, um, they didn't have it. Like he just wasn't part of the intro party um scene for whatever reason. I mean, and hey, they got us talking about it. Yeah. We're talking about it. Well, but that's also, like, but if you also think about it, because they were, like, it, it's, like, didn't they have, like, a narrator, too? Like, 
Um, yeah. Sorry, I have a, I, it's been a minute since I watched it, and I've been so busy since then. Um, didn't they have, like, a narrator speaking over, though, about, like, how he was a boy who lived, like, he was the boy set apart? So I I do think the intro with him not being seen at the party was extremely intentional because yeah. in the book, it's like that. He you, you meet him completely by himself. He doesn't know anything that's going on. Yeah. So I think I do think that that was very intentional for the, why they did that. So uh, I, I was looking up on IMBD and as I was clicking over to IMBD, uh, Rotten Tomatoes has this set uh, at a 96 percent approval or whatever so it's really high the potheads are out in force kids go ahead and like it now i'm trying to remember what I was, oh i was like I'm, I'm gonna look up the narrator um i will say as a whole i i really loved how they broke it up and how they talked about like mm-hmm. books and they talked about like they went talked about different series and I'll be honest, not a shocker to anyone who ever listens to this. And Josie already basically called me a subpar fan. So it's fine. I'll do it. It's fine. Um, I don't think she used those words, Andy. Is I didn't realize that there was that many directors. Yeah. So, yeah, Christopher Columbus yep. did, or Chris Columbus did the um, first two. And then, um, oh. Was, it was, is it? Why can't I say his name? Oh, hold on. The, uh, oh, but the narrator was Stephen Fry. I knew it. And I just Do we know it. him? Yes. He actually reads, so there's two versions of the Harry Potter audiobooks, and he is one of the, um, the, 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 readers. the more infamous, oh. ad- um, the more infamous, infamous one is Jim Dale. Jim Dale is the one that most people know. Stephen Fry is the oh, other one. I thought Stephen Fry was more popular. Um, but right. Stephen Fry, did you ever watch Bones, Andy? Yeah. So uh, uh, Booth, he used to see like a psychiatrist or whatever that had a really crooked nose. Okay. That's Stephen Fry. Oh, okay. And like they like he would always make them um, dinner and stuff. Yeah. That's him. Huh. So on I sh- I guess I could I could change how I say that. The ones on Audible and the ones that are more readily available are Jim Dale. Yeah. I had to search for the Stephen Fry ones. It. And when they were show when they were uh, they did a thing on the Today Show having somebody read the books out loud when they were coming out on Audible and they had Jim Dale do it. Yeah. Um, it, okay, so Andy, in total, sorry, yeah, go ahead, Sheila. No, go, I was going to say you can go ahead. Oh, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Um, so there's four directors in total for all eight Harry Potter movies. Chris Columbus did the first two. Mm-hmm. Alfonso Cuaron did the third one. The fourth one was Mike Newell, and then David Yates did the last ones. Yeah, I thought it was really cool how they kind of broke him up. I also, like, again, it was kind of interesting, too. Like, obviously, they had the three together, and they did a lot of talking. But then it was just a lot of, which rightfully so, because it, it is Harry Potter books, and it's the directors talking about, like, Harry Potter. But they had Daniel Ratcliffe um, talking to the directors and, like, talking about, like, how they did things. It was really cool to see, like, 
well, for me to verbally hear, like, their intentions of going behind it and the vibe they not only wanted to set on set, but then also the vibe they wanted to pull through through the movie. Yeah. And to hear him talk yeah. about how terrified he was to create the first one, which rightfully so. Oh, for sure. But, like, to how to create the first one and have it go well. And then he was like, the second one, he was like, dude, we're fine. He was like, we're going to have fun with this one. Like, I thought that was really cool to kind of, like, see and hear and experience. Because they each had such, rightfully so, different visions and different things of, like, okay, this is how this is going to go because we're entering a new era in these kids' lives. Like, that, it was interesting. Yeah, the kids were all grown up, and so you kind of had to move on from... Yeah. Yeah, it felt really weird, but I felt like when you read the books, it reads, it feels like that too. Like, oh yeah, Chris Columbus kept to kind of like the innocence of it. The movies are a lot brighter that you get such a great introduction into the world. And then it does go a little bit darker, but the third book does go darker. Yeah. Um, Alfonso Cuaron did want to, yeah. And then, yeah. And then you get into the fourth one. Um, where you kind of get into, like, I feel like there's a humor in the first three movies, but Mm -hmm. when, like, Mike, they were talking about um, Mike uh, Newell and his humor, like, I felt like he just, he really did bring a humor that, like, that age group has, like, the 13 the 13 to 14 year olds, you know, like when he talks about, like, how he broke his ribs teaching the twins how to fight. Right. Um, uh, real quick, I did find that Alfonso Cuaron, uh, I'm probably saying that wrong, he did want to direct more movies, um, but if he would have directed any of the other ones, it would have stopped production continuing on the third one that he did actually direct, because they overlapped. Because uh, that's the thing, too, is, like, the movies, like, them creating the movies, like, if you think about how long it takes for a movie to be made, yeah. and then, like, really kind of pushing it out, sometimes movies, like, you have people who are talking about movies that they filmed two years previously sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they had to be really careful and do these kind of quick, because the, yeah. they couldn't afford for the children to get too old. Well, um, I mean, these kids, this is 10 years of their lives, you know? Yeah. And you can't yeah. replace them, like, gold well, figures. Right. I mean, I remember when just between the second and third movie, Matthew Lewis, yeah, he sprouted so tall and then lost all that weight. And then people were like, how do you get skinny and so tall? And he was like, they put me in a fat suit and I grew, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just like really interesting with that. I loved getting the info, too, on even like the actors, how... um all of the younger actors were talking about the adults and how they were like, it was such a safe space. And like the older actors, like that generation, it would have been very easy. I think for the older, the older actors, um, Maggie Smith, Alan Rickman, Richard Harris, like Robbie Coltrane, like all those guys, they come from a different era. And for them to like, so fiercely protect the children and like the integrity of like what they were doing on set to not be exposed to, kind of like the dark side of the industry that a lot of children are exposed to. Yeah. <laughs> Disney. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was nice to see that they did that and they did protect that so fiercely, but then also the actors who came in later, you know, like when Daniel Radcliffe was talking to Gary Oldman, he was like, you treated me like an actor. 
Right. And he was I, like, you'd already been doing the films. Like you, yeah. like you knew your characters, like you were already established in this. So by the fifth movie, it really was like, oh, they can hold their own. Yeah. Um, even in the third book, like when they talk about um, like the director was talking about how incredible the scene was to shoot in the shaking shack. Yeah. When are the shrieking shack, when you have the three kids and then you have just these amazing actors, like amazing actors, Alan Rickman. Um, why can't I think of the guy who played Lubin? I, and I love him and I've seen him in so many things. Gary Oldman, like you have all of them. And then the, mm-hmm. the guy who plays Peter, Peter Pettigrew, like these are like renowned British actors and David they're just Su- watching them David like Su- a ping pong, Lewis. but then holding their own completely. Lupin was yes, David yes, yes. Lewis? Lewis? Lewis, yeah. It's a hard name to say. For like, me. yeah. So it was, I mean, just like hearing the admiration that the adults had and the directors had for the children and then with the children, they were like, we got the best acting coaches like we could have ever had ever like i just thought yeah. it was very great it was also to interesting that, you know? when um i think he was talking to helen helen bonham carter hbc uh-huh. um when he was like you know you came in later and he was like you know a lot of the older cast treated us like kids very sweetly and helped them grow but treated them like kids and he was like you came in and treated us like actors yeah. and like as an adult and he was like that was kind of amazing um, it was also really interesting just to see, like, not that you would ever expect, like, just because they're on opposite sides of, like, good and evil in the movie, not, but, like, you just never really know how the bonds are formed, but, like, you could tell, like, everyone lo- kind of just loved each other. Oh, yeah. Sets. They did. I love the Yeah. Note. Oh, my gosh. Go ahead, Sheila. I love the note that he wrote, um, Helen Bomina, or... God, why can't I say her name? Bonham Carter. Carter. Helena Bonham Carter. I love the little note he wrote her. Like, he's absolutely... Daniel Radcliffe is just absolutely adorable. Like, as a kid, he was adorable. And as an adult, I just... I I just love him. He's, Uh, like, just a class act. I was going to say I loved it when... um, they were talking about her acting and how they were like, yeah, everybody was like so set on doing stuff. And then they were like, and then you have her and she's a wild card and she literally had to do whatever she wanted. So you never knew what she was doing. So you had to be on her, your toes all the time for her. But then even like, I love Jason Isaacs. And when he was talking about accepting the role of Lucius and he was like, I didn't want to take it. And then he's like, why do I want to do this? And then Tom Felton was like, he hit me and then he would like <laughs> oh my god I'm so sorry like, oh are you okay <laughs> like, and he was like it was so weird because I was like so terrified and like happy to have him or yeah. in my life at the same time and even the two but even the two of them like they get together all the time and they leave they notes do. for each other like they send each other things on social media all the time so it is it's something that's definitely carried through it uh Tom Felton's face when he was talking about Helena was what cracked me up because you could tell it stressed him out because probably being like the youngest and not as quick to just like bounce off of whatever but like he was just like yeah you just never really knew and then they showed this one scene of her saying something behind his head and he was like Bleh. I just kind of enjoyed that bit yeah uh- 
And I mean, listening to the three of them talk about everything and just what they had to go through and also just like acknowledging that they didn't talk about the fame that they went into and just like the hardship that Rupert Grant and Emma Watson both had with it, but then like their decision to stay and why it was so important to them that they did stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were, I don't know if you saw this um, after it was released, but there were two um, mess ups in the. Yes. In in it. So I didn't see it until this week. And by the time I saw it, it's been fixed. But like the first couple of days, it wasn't fixed or the, they they didn't realize they had made these mistakes and one was um they put a picture of what they thought was emma watson up and the the little girl was quite cute and um i could see how they thought it was emma watson but it was actually emma roberts (laughs) (laughs) um Emma Roberts was very cute in this little picture. And then the second thing that they did, which was funny, they had um, the twins, they, they and they had like their names, like their you know their real names, and then they who they played underneath their names, and they had the name switched of who they played. I'm pretty sure that's that was the. Who, mess. Um. Oh, I or thought what? it was who they were. Oh, maybe it was who it they was, were. I, it was I can't James remember. Oliver were switching. But they switched their names on. <laughs> their names were messed up. And then Tom Felton on social media after one of the twins on Instagram like said, you know, like ha ha ha, look at that. We we can't like they can't keep us straight. And Tom was like, I did that. That was my doing or something (laughs) like that. And I was like, oh, of course, Tom, you would say that. Um, But, yeah, they they ended up fixing those things. But it was just funny that (laughs) those things happened. So I have a question for you. Hmm. What was your favorite part? Um, Um, All of it. I thought (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, actually, one of my favorite parts. So, if you're a big fan, you know the story of Alan Rickman and like his his struggle with playing Professor Snape, because he didn't really like the idea of playing somebody so mean all the time to children, and so he actually kind of struggled with it a lot and was like, "Why do I want to play this character?" And he went to J.K. Rowling very early on and was like I don't want to do this or like had some sort of conversation with her where he's like I just don't like that he's so mean and she was like trust me there's a reason but like you have a huge arc and she I mean this was even before the books were written she had already kind of outlined the story and he she told him Snape's storyline and the ending and I think my favorite was when Daniel Radcliffe was talking to Gary Oldman and he told him, mm-hmm. oh, I would be in scenes with Alan Rickman, and, you know, with him as Snape and he would do things and a director would be like, why'd you do that? And he's like, trust me, there's a reason yeah. why I did that. And they'd be like, well, no, tell me. And he's like, I'll tell you another time. And so he would make choices like character choices that the directors and even the other castmates didn't always know because he knew how it ended. And Gary Oldman was like, are you serious? How did he know the ending? 
he's like, you know, Joe gave it to him and he's the only person who knew and he would make these choices. And he was like, and he never told. And Daniel's like, he never told anyone. And I like just that, like getting the perspective of that from a co-star or like a co-actor of how funny and like frustrating, but like kind of whimsical that whole thing was like, I really liked that. Yeah. Like my other favorite part was just like the trio kind of talking to each other and just like always just kind of knowing that they were always going to be each other's lives after that. Yeah. And then when Emma and Rupert were talking by themselves and they were like, you know, I love you. And it's like, yes. I love you too. Actually, I digress. Emma didn't say I love you back to Rupert. She just no. kind of smiled, but you could tell she was like crying. And in a Facebook group that I'm in, the people actually were kind of blasting her a little bit and they were like, it's rude. She didn't say anything back. And then other people were coming to her defense and was like, it was clear that she was emotional and couldn't say anything. Cause she just like kind of shook her head and like nodded. Cause she was already like about to cry. And then in true Ron but spirit, I, he was like as a friend. Right. Yeah. And so it's just like, I don't know. It's just really funny because watching it, I didn't really take that as controversial as the, as no. other people were making it. Yeah. And um, so I just thought, I mean, those were like some of my favorite parts. Sheila, I don't know if that gave you time to come to yours. I mean, I don't know. Um, yes, I well, I loved the interview <laughs> with Harry or with Harry with um, Daniel and um, Helen. I I just loved it. Like just because you don't really like you know that they were enemies in the show or in the movies, but you never you know you never really got to see them as like their their friendship that they they had so I really love that and how like they were both kind of in awe of each other Mm -hmm. I loved I did love the trio talking and I did love that moment when uh Rupert told Emma that he loved her there was just a lot of there's a lot of really great moments I loved when um, Robbie Coltrane said that, you know, in 50 years, you'll still have this. Mm-hmm. I may be gone, but. This Hagrid is will still be here. Hagrid will still be here. And I was like. Oh, my gosh. I have I have that quote pulled up because if we didn't talk about it, I was going to say it at the very end. Yeah. <laughs> he says, the legacy of these movies is that my children's generation will show them to their children. So you could be watching them in 50 years time. Easy. I'll not be there, sadly, but Hagrid will. Yeah, it's just, it's just so poignant. But um, and I love the section where they kind of remembered everybody that um has passed. Yeah. And during the movies, so. Yeah. So that was a nice, like, a nice tribute to all those actors, and I'm sure some of those people might have been uh tech people too and whatnot oh i think so yeah i think it was part of yeah so i will say i'm gonna get into my favorite part but i will say 
I am sad Maggie Smith wasn't there only because she's Maggie Smith and I just love to see her ever. Right. So like would have loved. That's how I felt about Julie Walters. And I actually looked it up because there were a lot of actors that weren't there. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of the actors that weren't there um, either had personal things happening or scheduling conflicts. Yeah. Um, Julie Walters, I really thought she would have been there, especially as like Molly and like the mother of like all the children, like legitimately. Um, but she, I, I mean, I love her so much from other things and Billy Elliot's like one of my all time top, probably top three movies. But, uh, she like officially retired from acting last year because she was having some issues with cancer. Yeah. She was like um, stomach cancer, I think is what um, I, and I know. Yeah. And I mean, Maggie Smith, I think they're filming, they might be filming some Downton Abbey stuff when they were doing this. Cause Downton Abbey's coming back. Yeah. The new movie. Obviously, this it's not like they put this t- together last month. This has been in production, I'm sure, for months. Right. Um, well, on on top of it, you know, just COVID probably too. With um, yeah. you know, some of the, you know a lot of the older people. Yeah. I just thought because there were. Yeah, it was just one of those things where I was like, oh, I would have loved to have seen her. Yeah. Yeah, because I actually, when we were looking stuff up before this, I had even saw saw something where um. Like, I was not surprised that uh, J.K. Rowling was not a part of this, just with a lot of things that have been happening in the media with her um, over in England. But um, Ivana Lynch did an an interview where she spoke on it, and she was like, look, regardless of what her views are and what all of our views are and what's being said, she's like... As far as she knew and anything she had heard, she wasn't at on it because of those issues. It was because she was busy with a different schedule and she was like writing something new when it was being filmed. Because I don't know if you noticed, Andy, but uh, J.K. Rowling, all of her footage was actually from an interview she did in 2019. Oh, yeah. No, they made it very clear. Yeah. (laughs) Because I kind of giggled. They were like, this is from 2019. This is not new don't come for us yeah so part of me feels like they probably were trying to to whether they were doing it intentionally or not intentionally yeah. i think it was a smart choice with everything going on yeah. and with the fandom though. and how i mean sheila and i see a lot of the fandom reaction to things yeah. um in facebook groups that we're in and personally i feel like it was probably the best choice for them to put some distance between the yeah. reunion right and yeah. and her Personally. Plus, also, I mean, she created the characters, obviously, but you could tell it was a 20th anniversary for the movies. It was not a 20. It was not any sort of anniversary for the books. It was specifically for the movies. So I also think it worked very well that way because of that, because they were able to kind of just like use some archived footage, you know, because of the fact that it is focusing on the movies. Yeah, agreed. I do want to t- make sure y'all know what my favorite part is, though, because it's super okay. important. Tell us. It was one. Of, it's one of all of our favorite characters. Um, it's when, um, oh, I don't know her name. Don't come for me. The young lady that played Luna. Okay. Um, Ivana Lynch. When she was talking about her audition and when she oh, was Evelyn, talking about Lynch. Lynch. doing um, her screen test, with, with 
with Daniel Radcliffe. And she said, my eyes were just so big. And I realized I wasn't responding to him because I'm so used to just watching him on TV. Yeah. She was like, but honestly, I think that's why I got the job. And I think that's part of how Luna's kind of like spacey came out of it <laughs> because I was just staring at him. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, and I did I too. Like, and that is so <laughs> interesting that like, one, it makes sense she had their reaction, but two, like, you know they latched onto that. They're like, she has that deep lost and wonder in the back of her mind. She is Luna in that way. And she's just like, is Harry freaking Potter right beside me? Oh, like, not even realizing <laughs> yeah, right. she's saying her lines. Yeah. Sorry, I said her name wrong right at the beginning, Andy. It's Evelyn Lynch. Okay. But yeah, it was just kind of interesting. Um, I liked her. I also, sorry, Andy. I also liked the twins when the twins were like, "Yeah, we saw these twins there, but we nobody was really matching." So they went and got matching shirts from like the store, random store across the street, and they were like, "Yep, these will do." (laughs) Yeah, and they were like, "Same size, okay, these will do. Let's go." And they were like, "I think that's what set them apart." But they were actually matching. Yeah. Um. Did you have another favorite part, Andrew? Um, I don't think so. I think it was just kind of, um, all the things that y'all have already said. Um, I did, I don't know. I'm curious to know if y'all felt like there was a whole lot of new in this. Because I feel like we've learned a lot of stuff over, I mean, it's been 20 years. So like the people are bound to have to do interviews and things come up. But did you feel like you actually like learned a lot of new things? Like, behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, I think there was some stuff. Like, I don't remember watching a lot of their interviews for the movies in the past. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like this time, like, we got to learn more just about, like, kind of their experience. Like, how they went into it and how Christopher Columbus, or Chris Columbus just really made sure to make that first movie just fun for the kids. Like... Those kids yeah. were having, like, a play day every day. And they were having the time of the best times of their lives. And, like, I don't remember that being talked about. But then again, you know, when you're a kid, like, you don't think about that. And now, like, they're here they are 20 years later, and they're adults. They're like, that was pretty They realized like how special it was. Yeah. I love the part where they were talking about slaps. They are like, all of our hands were bloody <laughs> red. Because of just, like, trying to slap the crap out of each other. And right. I was like, fair. Oh, yeah. Even the adults in, like, Chris Columbus, like, joined in where they were like, oh, my gosh, the red hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean. Um, for me, I. Oh, go ahead, Sheila. If you have I more. Just, I think I just feel like we learned more about, like, Emma and Tom Felton's, um, like, relationship. Like, I knew they were yeah. always close, but. I didn't realize it basically started like at the audition when like she was standing next to him and she's like, what's that? And he's like, it's a mic. And they were like friends. And like, I love how like both of them are like, I love, you know, we loved each other from the beginning. Um, I just like things like that. Like if obviously you don't talk about that when you're like 10 or 11 or however old they were. Yeah. Um, you know things that you realize as you get older like I knew for that moment that that was my that was gonna be like my best friend you know 
Agreed. Oh, I've been on the Tom and Emma train for a really long time, and I was, for one, really super excited, like, after the pandemic when they met up and they were, like, posting a bunch of pictures together. I was like, yes, it's finally happening. happening. <laughs> it did not um like for me I feel like what I learned new was director's approach yeah but also I like I think more I think the insight about what the experience was I think it was a lot more personal than they've ever gotten before so yeah even like if even if you knew that Emma was thinking about leaving, I think after the fourth movie or like right before the fourth movie or the fifth one, whatever it was, mm-hmm. like I had already known that, but I think her talking about it and how deep it felt for her, yeah. how it really was like she was like on the precipice, like she literally was like, if I continue this, my life legitimately will never be the same and I'm this age. And just, like, the mental strain of that. And even, like, all the guys were, like, oh, she had it harder than any of the rest of us. Because she was a girl by herself for a lot of it. And Mm -hmm. it was, like, she was going through things alone that nobody else was really going through. Because they, like, even if, like, guys were feeling it, they could still distract themselves and, like, you know, be like, hey, let's go play a game or, you know, whatever. Right. Where, like, all of them even, like, had admitted, like, she went through so much of that, especially, like, the middle part of it by herself. Because mm-hmm. she was, like, even before, like, Daniel kind of, like, did some stuff on Broadway between some of the movies. And he did. She was um, the one who really, like, DC, broke out in like, all yeah. the movies. And, yeah. Yeah, like, he had, he had broken out and done some other stuff, and Rupert Grant as well, but, like, Emma was the one who, I think, really gotten thrown into, um, stardom. I'll say, yeah. like, American stardom. Yeah. Where British paparazzi is, like, notorious, like, even more notorious than, like, American paparazzi, but I feel like American stardom is different than, like, British stardom, if that makes sense. Well, I feel like American fans are different than British fans because British fans will be like, from what you hear from all the other people, is like British fans will be like, oh, hey, there's so and so, they'll take a picture. American fans are like, I'm going to find you. I will be in your house. Yeah. Uh, a little bit more stalkerish. Yeah. Yeah. Not that you don't have stalkers in other countries, but yeah, definitely. Um, I do think that, like, I think the other thing that was really interesting about it too is that, um, hearing from the adults that were there and like talking to mm-hmm. them about it and like what they were witnessing as well. I don't feel like you get as much about that because a lot of them had other projects that were maybe like a little bit bigger that they yeah. had to um, do press for and not so much the Harry Potter stuff. So you don't get to hear them talk about the Harry Potter yeah. stuff at all. Like, I don't think I've ever heard Gerald speak about Harry Potter. I don't remember And it. I love him and I've seen him in so many things and right. I don't think I've ever really heard him talk about harry potter like he got to in the special so i feel like that's what was new for me yeah the facts some of the other things like i already knew a bunch of that stuff but that stuff was like what was new for me and i think just like the personalization of the whole thing like that was definitely new and again for anyone listening even sorry i just feel like i keep going on because even like just what they got out of it themselves like when you heard Emma and Daniel talking about, like, when Carrie Ullman came on set and Daniel Radcliffe was like, you have to be cool. Gotcha, and she was cool. like, okay, I, 
<laughs> and he was like, I was clearly projecting because <laughs> he's like, I needed to tell myself to be cool. So I was telling you to be cool. Because <laughs> that's the other thing, too, is Tom Filton and Daniel Radcliffe had some acting experience because Maggie Smith had acted with Daniel Radcliffe before yeah, Harry and, Potter. Yeah. And that, so, well, and that's how they already had some acting on. Yeah. And that's how Chris Columbus found Ratcliffe is yeah that was interesting to me how like seen that the show. which I knew that I knew that he'd seen David Copperfield and it was like I, that's him we got to bring him in so I knew that part but um yeah I just didn't know um I just didn't know like you know they had screen tested so many other people and they're like we just can't find it and then they saw that and they were like that's him I thought it was really interesting that they had to like convince his parents. Yeah. Um, what well, else and say? they couldn't even do it. The producers had to do it. Yeah. And they originally wanted to film them in the U.S. They did, mm-hmm. yeah. Because um, they had mentioned that because they were like, no, he's too young to go to America by himself and for yeah, that he'd long. Be, he'd be gone like basically his entire life. What I was wanting to say is, I know I keep asking questions to make it sound like I hated this. That is absolutely not true. I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed it. I mean, there were tears at the end. Like, thoroughly enjoyed watching it. I just was right. wanting to make sure I'm asking the questions, so, you know, to get y'all's opinion on it. Because I didn't want it just to come across as, like, did y'all feel like there was anything new? I mean, because I learned a lot of new stuff. But then there was also things of, like, oh, I already knew this just from Instagram and right. constantly seeing things of, like... Mm-hmm did you know? And it's like, I mean, I did, but, um, so I just thought that was interesting. Is there anything else that you ladies would like to mention about the special? Oh my gosh. I mean, all I really want to say is that I could go on forever and I'm really not going to, (laughs) because I mean, I feel like it's like anything that we talk about on this episode. I mean, there's clearly big stuff that we're missing we didn't go into the trios conversation that much as much Mm -hmm. as we loved it. I mean, there's a bunch of like even Helena Bonham Carter's conversation Mm -hmm. um, that we don't go into. And some of the other people that, I mean, if you enjoy the films, even just a little bit and you like get excited if they're on and you like find yourself rewatching them, I just feel like you need to watch it because it's really exciting um no matter how long you've been a fan of it if you if you enjoy them you're going to enjoy this because you're going to get some insight and i mean i i've been a fan of harry potter for 22 years since 99 yeah so like even for me like knowing a bunch about the universe it's like i always find something new and exciting and i felt like this was the same thing i mean we didn't even talk about raw finds and i Love him as Voldemort. Yeah. I love him. So I, that's all I'm going to say. Just go watch it. I thought it was really, I will say really quickly about him. I thought it was really cute where in, like his family was like, they want you to play this. Go. Yeah. I was sweet when his, he asked his sister. Well, and he had no clue. He was yeah. like, well, what's it all about? And then picked up the book and like, read. I love Harry Potter. Go watch it. That's it was really good. I, yeah. yeah. It was really good. Go watch it. I it was just magical. Even like the intro is magical, but mm-hmm. just even listening to the not interviews, but where they sat and talked with each other, the you know their conversations. It was just magical. Like them being on the sets or the old sets, and 
that added to it the I love the transitions between like when they like because they separated the um, movies into like certain sections and um Mm -hmm. like the transition and they always had like a quote from one of the books um to kind of talk about that section and Mm -hmm. I it was just it was just done really really well they they tied everything together they I think they could have done more I mean it was only like an hour and it was two hours was it two hours I thought it was like an hour and 45 minutes Girl, you're like, um, it was, was it two hours? two hours? It was only an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> Actually, I mean, I'm totally that person, though, too, because I was going to be like, it's an hour and 47 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that person, too. I thought it, it, this just, is, it could have, I felt like it could have been longer. That's all. They could do oh, an I mean, extended version, absolutely. and I would totally watch it and eat it up. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, me too. I Okay, I said I was done but I do want to just say one more thing because there's, I I know, but here's the reason why I'm even going to bring this up is because when I came home to visit, my family saved the recordings. Um, TBS had a house cup tournament and it was four episodes long and Helen Mirren hosted it and they had like fans from all over come and be teams of each house. And they did like a tournament like trivia and they had, like a bunch of stuff the reason why i'm bringing this up is because in that one it totally clicked in my head helen mirren should have been in the, like my family and i had a full conversation that helen mirren should have been in the movies mm-hmm. but then we decided the only person she could have been was mcgonagall and then we decided that that absolutely could not have happened because it had to be maggie smith right and we didn't want to dislike her if she was umbridge and she doesn't fit umbridge's description anyway it's a whole thing right. whatever right. anyway the whole point of it is that they had actors from the movies involved with the trivia and they had other stars who were like huge Harry Potter fans involved with the tournament and with the game. Like Jay Leno read something. There was like somebody else who like all these different people, but then like Matthew Lewis, um, Felton, the person who played Moaning Myrtle, like all these people's people were involved with this. And I think the reason why what Sheila was getting to with like how magical it, all is and with how it played out just seeing them and their love for it part of the reason why I think it's so magical is because I think every person who was involved with Harry Potter knows the social and pop culture influence that it had on the world yeah and I don't think any of them took it for granted and Mm -hmm. I think it comes out and I think a lot of them themselves were already Harry Potter fans before the movie started. And they like true. And if they didn't have a love for Harry Potter before, I think a lot of them developed a love for it yeah. either because family pushed it on them or they chose to do this part. And I think that's why it transponds and transpires so well, because they all knew that. And I think, they just embrace it. Like, I don't think any of one of them doesn't embrace what the world is or does for people or for like, I don't know, for anyone. And none of them really acted like they were upset by it either. Like they're like, Oh my God, I'm burdened by this. Right. Um, I think the only thing that I thought would have, would have been in there and wasn't, but I'm not mad at the way that it was done. Cause again, done very, very well. 
was that I thought, I think I thought there was going to be some type of like Oprah moment where like they were kind of interviewed and asked questions. But I do like the way that it was done uh, where they kind of talked to themselves and just had conversations versus it being like an interview. Um, but the only difference is, is that like, I feel like it was definitely like, I'm curious of what was said that we didn't get to see yeah. and like what an interviewer would have pulled out you know like well i wonder if somebody was asking them questions off camera and they just didn't put it in i was wondering that too as like a prompt yeah as a prompt and then it came in having produced videos like that for my job like i know how much we can edit and but sometimes like when it's like a live like the way they did the friends reunion with like the live audience and they were like right there with like a host that I think that was the part that I was like, oh, maybe this is going to come up. And I was like, oh, it didn't. But again, I'm not mad at it. I think that was just the only part that I was like, I'm interested to see how that would have played out. I think that would have taken the magic away from it. You and this magic. <laughs> I know. I agree with Sheila. I think I'm not, it would have taken away from magic, the magic away from it a little bit. But I was expecting it. No, no. I, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying. Andrew, I, you're wrong. I think the, maybe the choice was, is we don't want it, we, we want it to look more organic than to look like they were asked and prodded questions. Yeah. Yeah, because I felt like it, the whole theme of it was kind of a, they're coming home. Right. It was literally it was a reunion. Sad. It was. It yeah. was and their I feel reunion, like, their high school reunion, yeah. essentially. But they're Like, teachers. you don't want to be, like, prodded by fans and... You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel like I not not to like, well, I'm just going to say it. I feel like it would have cheapened it a little bit. Yeah, Fair. because I like honestly watch friend reunion watching this one. I almost wish they didn't have the stuff with the with the audience as much. Like if they would have had an interviewer where it was like asking specific questions like fan questions, I think that like because for me, the friends reunion the best part was when it was the six of set talking and reminiscing and having people come on set and join them and be like, oh my gosh, I remember this. Like, yeah. I felt like when it got to the audience, I was just a little bit more disinterested. That was me personally. So I feel like I probably would have had that same reaction if they would have done it with this special. Gotcha. Well, I believe that was all of our final thoughts. <laughs> someone else has the final, final thought. Oh my gosh. Stop, guys. No, I don't have anything. I'm good. Um, well, we do want to thank you for joining us on this episode of Prisoners of Pop Culture. <laughs> that sounds like it was really hard to say. Sorry. I wasn't sure if y'all were going to come in, but then again, guys, this is the first time we've ever recorded without video. So, like, y'all didn't see me put up my arms and be like, Prisoners. And the realize they can't see me so be like a pop culture because there's no way you would know I was expecting you to join in. But I never do this part, so I'm going to pass it off to one of the two of you. <laughs> I think I usually do it. So yeah. you can find us on all social medias. You can email us at potheadswhoread at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with that same name. And we love to hear from you if there's a topic you want us um, to talk about, either 
in our regular episodes or this episode. Um, join us for Tipsy's pot, Tipsy Potheads because we're releasing those episodes as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it, right, Sheila? Yeah. Yeah. Feel free to join us on Twitter. There's three awesome. of us. Interact with me, please, so I don't feel alone. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. <laughs> um, um, well, thank y'all. Yeah. We'll see you next um, time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>